Welcome to According to the Scriptures, where doing things according to God's Word is of heavenly importance to us. I'm Kyle Webb, your host, and I'm glad that you are here. A few weeks ago, one of our members suggested that we do a study on Ephesians chapter 4, verses 4 through 6. And the reason that he gave is that the seven ones that are found in those verses pretty well cover Christianity and should be fundamental to each of us as Christians. One body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God. And so we began that study. And today, for an installment of According to the Scriptures, I want to share with you an original recording of the sermon in hopes that it will be beneficial to you. So grab your Bible, a pen and paper if you'd like to take notes, And I'll be back at the end of the program to give you more information about our congregation and how to contact us. Our lesson for today is uh, one that uh, we started this series a few weeks ago. Uh, We're in the fourth lesson of this series. This is one that Joe came up with. um, And I don't know that he meant us to do it as a sermon series, but that's the way I did it. Uh, We've been talking about the seven ones of Ephesians chapter 4 verses 4 through 6. Uh, we have been through one body. We have been through one spirit. We've been through one hope. And today we are on one Lord. But let's begin with our lesson text. Ephesians chapter 4, beginning with verse 1, reading from the New King James Version, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called and one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. And as I mentioned before, uh, our Uh, One for today is one Lord. This lesson could also be titled, Jesus is Lord. And some of those songs that I picked out for Kirk were songs that I thought about uh, and how they went along with this lesson. We don't often do lessons on Jesus as Lord or different aspects of Jesus, uh, but this is one of those things that we understand him to be, is our Lord. Now looking at the term Lord in a general sense, We find the meaning of supreme power and authority, master and rule over all. And most of the time when we think of Lord, we think of Jesus as Lord. And that is the the context of our passage. But let's look at it for a moment from a different perspective. Let's look at it from an earthly sense. Because the word Lord is not ascribed just to Jesus. There are also different ways in which we use the word Lord. Even... From the scriptures, we have different examples of what a Lord would be. Not always 
uh, deity. But when we think of Lord, we think of wealth. We think of someone with great power or with great authority. Someone who has rule over servants within his household. Uh, We find mention in Jesus' parables of the parable of the talents. You have the servant. The, the servants of the parable of the talents. Their, their master uh, was the one that, that gave out the talents. He, he gave each one uh, according to his responsibility and what he could handle. Uh, so we have the servants there. You have lordship in the master of that parable. The watchful servants is another good example. The servant who forgave not. And you also have it in the parable of the prodigal son. Uh, We see in some ways you have the father who is the master of his house. He is the lord of his house. The the son that has wandered away wants to come home as just a lowly servant. Um, But we have the idea of lordship in that parable. And so when we look at the word lord, it's not always ascribed uh, to Jesus or to God. uh, The ways that we'll look at it later in our lesson. But you also have it from a spiritual sense, a heavenly sense. And in that regard, when it comes to lordship, when it comes to deity, when it comes to God, there can be only one Lord. Now we're going to talk about today how God the Father is given the reference as Lord. And so is the Son. But still we have one Godhead. You have three persons in the one Godhead that are together, that are one, that act as one. And so we have but one Lord. The one who holds authority over what he has created is what we're talking about. Uh, The one who commands us, expecting our obedience. The one who judges and determines our eternity. That is the one Lord that we are talking about today. I wanted to begin with how God is referred to as Lord because it gives us an idea of how Jesus is referred to as Lord in the New Testament. But when we look back to the Old Testament, if you read the readings that were in the bulletin, all of those uh, were referring to God as Lord, the different ways in which God is Lord, and He is. When we think of God as Lord... Go back to the book of Genesis. Let's go back to the beginning. Genesis chapter 2. And beginning with verse 4, we read that God is the Lord of creation. His creation. He created all things. He created the world. He created men and women. He created us. In Genesis chapter 2, beginning with verse 4, it says, This is the history of the heavens and the earth when they were created in the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens before any plant of the field was in the earth, before any herb of the field had grown. For the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the earth, and there was no man to till the ground, but a mist went up from the earth and watered the whole face of the ground. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. The Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord God made every tree grow that is pleasant to the sight, and good for the food. The tree of life, which was all the tree of life was also in the midst of the garden, 
and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. What made God Lord? As we are looking at this text in particular, what made God Lord? Think about it. He created the world. He created the earth. He created everything that within it grows. God created all of this. And so whenever we think of a creation standpoint, we understand that God is Lord because He created all these things. Had He not created them, they would not be in existence, and so He is the master of these things because He created them. As we look at mankind, as we look at Adam and Eve in particular, we find that He set boundaries, He set rule and law uh, before them. In Genesis chapter 2, beginning with verse 15, Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend and keep it. The Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. That was the first law. We often go back to the law of Moses. Uh, Kirk had some of that in, in his lesson today. But the first law that was given shall not eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. They were given a rule. They were given a law. You cannot break it. Or this is the consequence. You shall surely die. Man was allowed to eat of every fruit and tree in the garden. With that one exception being the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And man was subject to the law, to the rule of God. And so in that sense, we find that God is Lord. We find that God is Lord of His people. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, beginning with verse 1. Now this is the commandment, and these are the statutes and judgments which the Lord your God has commanded to teach you, that you may observe them in the land which you are crossing over to possess. That you may fear the Lord your God to keep all His statutes and His commandments, which I command you, you and your son and your grandson, all the days of your life, and that your days may be prolonged. Therefore hear, O Israel, be careful to observe it, that it may be well with you, and that you may multiply greatly as the Lord God of our fathers has promised you a land flowing with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gate. As long as his people would heed his commandments to fear him, to love him, to teach these commands to their children, he would be their God and they would be his people. God was their Lord. As long as they kept the commandments, as long as they did what they were supposed to do, uh, Kirk mentioned in, in the class um, and something that, that I thought of as interesting. In, in Judaism, he mentioned that 
is very important for them to follow the law. Didn't necessarily have to believe in God, but you had to follow the law in order to be a Jew. When we look at the beginning of, of the way that God gave his commands to his people and expected them to obey, we find that that, that, that was what they did. That was their, their main focus was in doing the law, but it was a preparation of sorts to prepare them to make a place for God in their hearts, to believe in him. And to follow him for that reason. We think of parents. There's a time where children are growing up. And and they are to obey the laws of their parents. The rules of their parents. There's a time in which they learn to believe. We teach them about God. They learn to believe in God. They believe uh, in following those commands. They believe in in our nation. In our country. And they follow the laws of the land. Uh, It's a preparation of sorts. Where they, uh, they blindly obey. To when they understand and when they fully mature and then they uh, learn the importance of following the law on their own but God was their Lord God was the Lord of his people now when his people transgressed his commands and it happened it didn't take very long for the people to to come out of of the exodus and to to, uh, they're going into the promised land and and they become disobedient, it doesn't take very long for them to turn away from God. And when the people transgressed his commands, he was no longer their Lord. He was their God, yes. He was their God because he had created them. They were were obligated in some ways to him. But he was not their Lord because they didn't recognize him as Lord. Now, does that mean that he no longer had any control over what happened to them? Uh, To the contrary, he did control what happened to them. He allowed them to suffer. He allowed them to, to face different trials and different punishments so that they would come back to him as his people. So that he could once again be their Lord. But he wasn't their Lord. They didn't recognize him as their Lord. And keep that in mind. Now, what we learn from God as Lord, we find him as Lord of his creation. We find him as Lord of his people. And what we learn about lordship from God, not necessarily strictly in the spiritual sense, But you have the idea of supreme rule over, the ultimate authority that is involved in lordship. When you think from an earthly standpoint, the lordship of a house or a kingdom, you find a supreme and final rule over how the house or kingdom is maintained and run. You think of a king or you think of of someone that owns a house that has servants and he, he rules over those servants and he makes sure that they're doing what they need to do. That's the idea of lordship. When it comes to God and the lordship of God, you have, again, supreme rule and authority over the world and all that he has created. But one thing that we find about lordship is that lordship is dependent, at least to some degree, upon the subjection of servants to the Lord's rule. If servants are not in subjection... They may rebel. They may even overthrow 
their master, depending on who that is and, and what kind of power they may have behind them. If God's people, if God's servants are not subject to Him, they are left to their own defense that cannot be depended on to save them. If we fail to recognize God as Lord, if we fail to recognize Jesus as Lord, as we'll get to in a moment, then we are leaving ourselves in a very vulnerable state in that we can't save ourselves from our sins. We can't save ourselves from the world. We need to trust in God as our Lord to do that. We trust in Jesus and what he did to do that. We cannot save ourselves. One thing that that we find that is possible in the earthly realm of lordship and not possible in the religious realm of lordship is that God cannot be overpowered or overcome like a, a king or like a master of a house. God cannot be overpowered or overcome. But people of the world may and do rebel against Him. And so when we look at the world as a whole, there for a lot of people, God is not their Lord. Nor is Jesus their Lord. Because they refuse to be subject unto the rule and law of the Lord. Now, Let's get into where our context in the book of Ephesians is. With Jesus as Lord. Jesus Christ is Lord. He is also Lord of creation. John chapter 1 beginning with verse 1. In the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him. And without Him nothing was made that was made. And you might say, wait a minute, I don't remember reading about Jesus. I don't remember seeing Jesus' name in the creation of the world. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 1 for a moment. Let's look at verses 26 and 27. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Let us make man in our image. Who's the us of Genesis chapter 1? It's the three persons in the Godhead that were present on the day of creation. God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. These made one God. And so God created the world. But God the Son was there also. John's account agrees with what is written in the Old Testament. In the beginning was the Word. He refers to Jesus as the Word. If you'll notice in 
Uh, I think most translations, that word is capitalized. The word word is capitalized for that reason. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. And without him nothing was made that was made. Jesus is also Lord of his creation. And of all of mankind. Read a little bit further in John chapter 1. And we find that he gives man life. Verse 4, in him was life. And the life was the light of men. And the light shines in darkness. And the darkness did not comprehend it. Verse 10, he was in the world. And the world was made through him. And the world did not know him. He came to his own and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him... As many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. To those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness of him and cried out, saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me is preferred before me, for he was was before me, and of his fullness we have all received, and grace for grace, for the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has seen God at any time, the only begotten Son, who is in the bosom of the Father, he has declared him. Jesus gives life to men. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Jesus gives life to men. By giving his own earthly life for the salvation of men. He gives us life in a spiritual sense that we could not have aside from what he did, from his sacrifice. Now those born of God... Those born of water and of the Spirit, a couple of chapters later in the book of John, chapter 3, verse 5. Those baptized into Christ, making contact with His blood, Romans 6, verses 3 and 4, are given new life in Christ. We are given new life in Christ. He is the Lord of creation. He is the Lord of His people. He is uh, the Lord of our salvation. He is, is in control of our salvation. We have no salvation outside of Jesus. So if He is not our Lord, we're trusting ourselves to save ourselves and we cannot do that. There's no way that I can save myself. So we find that Jesus is Lord of creation. He is the Lord of His people. In Matthew 28 and verse 18, Matthew 28 and verse 18, we find that Jesus is given the authority of God. And Jesus came and spoke to them saying, All authority, all power has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Why? What was it that... that that this had to be given to him. What does it mean that all authority has been 
given to me. Didn't he already have authority? Well, when Jesus came to the world, he gave up that authority. He gave up all the blessings of that heavenly being that he was. He gave up the pleasures of heaven to be on earth with us, to live a life like we did as a human being. Doesn't mean that he wasn't the son of God. He still was. And he had extraordinary ability that he could not have otherwise as the son of God. But it isn't until after his death and resurrection that he says all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. So in his death and resurrection, Jesus fulfilled the will of God and was given by God all authority and power, all the authority and power of God over the world. In Acts 2, beginning with verse 22, Men of Israel, hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs which God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves also know, him being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hands, have crucified and put to death, whom God raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be held by it. Verse 32 of Acts 2. This Jesus God has raised up, of which we are all witnesses, Therefore, being exalted to the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he poured out this which you now see and hear. For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he says himself, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. God made him Lord. He fulfilled the will of God, and in fulfilling the will of God, he was given all authority and power of the world. And he is made both Lord and Christ. Going back to Matthew 28 for a moment, he then gives his disciples certain authority. The authority to teach and to make disciples, baptizing them. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. In Matthew 18, verse 18, looking forward to what would be, Assuredly, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth, he tells them, will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So he gives his apostles certain authority. As the supreme authority, he gives them authority. Go. Go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. They bestow that authority unto us. In their absence from physical life today, we are given such authority to go into the world, to make disciples of all the nations, to baptize them, and to teach them to observe these things. 
Now, as we look at the overall, our understanding of lordship, as there were times when even God was not the Lord of His people Israel, in times of their disobedience, and the times when they wandered away from His path and the things that He wanted them to do, even in those times, we understand that in the same way, Jesus is not the Lord of many in our world today. You, know, you go out on the road and you'll see a number of cars. One of the more popular things from a few years ago, uh, the black and white stickers, Jesus is Lord. You may see that on, on people's cars. They, they are, are proclaiming that Jesus is their Lord, and yet there are a lot of people, I'm sure, that, that have those kind of stickers on their cars that maybe aren't doing as God wanted them to do. Kind of like Israel. They thought they were right with God. They thought they were right because they were following the rules and they were following the law and and as long as we do that. But that wasn't the case. God wasn't always their Lord because they didn't see Him as their Lord. We have many in our world today for whom Jesus is not their Lord. There are many who do not believe in his existence. You have atheism and uh, the kind of like it, Gnosticism. Um, You have a belief that that God doesn't exist or we don't know who he is and and maybe he exists, maybe he doesn't. But for those people who do not believe, Jesus is not their Lord. There are many who do not believe in Jesus' deity. They believe in be simply a good man in his life on earth, but, but not deity. He wasn't uh, related to God. He just did, did some good things on earth. Jesus is not their Lord either because they do not fully believe. They do not truly believe in Jesus, the one that we know from Scripture. There are even those who believe, but they do not want to follow him. Can you imagine that there are people that believe that Jesus actually came? But when they, they get to the point in, in the scriptures where it tells them they have to do something, we don't want to do that. We don't want to follow him. We don't want to give up what we have. The, the pleasures of life are, are too enticing and, and they don't want to give those up. Why change a, a good thing? Why, why mess it up? There are those who believe and yet do not follow. I, I think of, of what I would maybe refer to as Christmas Christians. You have those around Christmas that, that are all about the birth of Jesus. There are many who accept Jesus as a baby that do not accept the same Jesus that died on the cross for them. That do not accept the Jesus that taught them that they needed to do something. That taught them the way to live. We don't want any part of that Jesus. We'll take baby Jesus. We don't want any part of adult Jesus. That's too hard. So there are those that believe that to them He is not their Lord because they refuse to follow In the song that we sang before the sermon, 
in the, the last verse of that, you are Lord of cre- creation, or you are king of creation, king of my life, king of the land and, and the city. Uh, you get to the chorus of that, and we bow down. We crown you the king. In the banner of the cross, in the last line of, of that song, for the king of kings, there's a book. Well, Praise to the Lord has it worded a little bit differently. I had to ask my grandpa about it back years ago. Because in praise to the Lord, it's worded, and to crown him king will toil and sing beneath the banner of the cross. And the way that my grandpa explained it is that we have to, at some point in our life, accept Jesus. We have to claim him as our king. We have to crown him as the king of our life. We have a choice to make in that. He can be your Lord, but he doesn't have to be. Where I question the, the wording of that song, I didn't quite understand it. Both really make very good sense. That we do at some point have to crown Jesus as our king. We have to make him our Lord. Whereas there are so many that refuse him for one reason or another, they just don't believe or, or they just don't want to follow him. Are you one of these? Are you one of those that you're living your life in such a way that Jesus is not your Lord? You have a choice to make. If he is going to be the king of your life, you have to crown him the king of your life. You have to make him the king of your life. Begins when we obey the gospel, doesn't it? When we see what we're told in Scripture to do, whenever uh, the Jews on the day of Pentecost, we use this all the time, whenever they, they understood the words of Peter, they said, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Whenever he said, go back to, to, to that verse 36, Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ, they realized that they needed to make him Lord of their life. God had made him Lord. Now they needed to make a decision. They needed to make him the Lord of their life. And they needed to do something. Men and brethren, what shall we do? And what did Peter say? Repent. Let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. And they did that. That day about 3,000 souls were added to the Lord's church. Because they made a decision to make Jesus the Lord of their life. And it may be that, that maybe you've done that. Maybe you've obeyed the gospel. But maybe you've wandered away. and Maybe you're not a faithful child of God today. Maybe he's not the Lord of your life in that respect. Maybe he once was, but he's not now. And you need to make that right with him. Maybe you need to come back. Maybe you need help in doing that. Maybe you need to ask for prayer. But whatever your need may be today, if Jesus is not the Lord of your life, if we're not united under this one Lord that we read about in Ephesians chapter 4, you're not a faithful child of God. You're not in Christ. We don't want you to to leave this place outside of Christ. If, If you need to come to Him, if you need to... Uh, obey the gospel. If you need to repent, then, then that is your option. That's something that you can do today. We'd implore you not to wait until it's too late. But if Jesus is not your Lord today, then you need to make Him Lord of your life.
If there's any way that we can help you, we want to do that. We give you the opportunity to come. Let's together we stand and as we sing. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. On behalf of myself and of the Mars Hill Church of Christ, we thank you for joining us. We hope you will be back with us next Tuesday at 11 a.m. right here on the Gospel Radio Network at tgrn.org. If you would like to contact us, our phone number is 615-203-3637. If you would like to find out more about our congregation, our website is www.marshillcoc.org. Our email address is marshillcoc at gmail.com. And if you would like to contact us the old-fashioned way, our address is 1135 Rucker Road, Christiana, Tennessee, 37037. If you are in our area, we would love to meet you in person. Our service times are 9 a.m. for Bible study and 10 a.m. for worship on Sunday mornings. Thank you again for joining us, and until we meet again, may God bless you.